This podcast contains discussion about adult topics. Use your judgment if there are little ears around. Welcome to Doing It. This is a podcast made by Family Planning Victoria. FPV has been running for over 50 years now. We run a whole lot of education programs for communities and medical professionals across Victoria. We also run sexual health clinics in the city and Box Hill in Melbourne. My name is Anne. I'm part of the FPV Schools and Community team. This is our first podcast of the year. We go to schools and run classes for all year levels on bodies, growing up, puberty, sex, reproduction and relationships. This podcast is for parents and carers of school-aged children so that we can share what goes on in a relationships and sexuality education class and help support these sorts of conversations at home. Today, I'll be speaking with Simon Taylor. Simon is a Melbourne-based comedian and writer. His book, One Night Stand, is a fictionalised account of his real-life experience as a young adult who found themselves managing the unplanned pregnancy of a casual sexual partner. The book is really funny and also a great reflection on the lessons learned about sex and sexual health and relationships, things people learn or should have learned as they become adults. This will be a different kind of interview for doing it. I usually speak to educators, experts or researchers from the field of sexual health or sexuality education. My guest today is an expert at expressing the messiness of being human. If you're a young adult or you know a young adult or someone who's about to be a young adult, you will want to hear his story. Great. Simon Taylor, thank you so much for coming in and talking to us about your book. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad someone's bothered talking to me. About <laughs> uh, my first question, obviously, is can you just explain a little bit about your book and what led you to writing One Night Stand? Mm, so... A few years ago, I uh, was seeing someone. I was seeing someone romantically for about six months and then I uh, moved country. And about four weeks after I moved country, I got a message from them saying that uh, they're pregnant and I had a big dilemma and I thought, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? And she was quite resolute in, no, I'm keeping it. I'm like, okay, all right, well then I better come back to Australia. But before I, I you know, did... Uh, she said, actually, it might be another guy. So I had this situation where I was like, well, do I come back and be supportive? It might not be my, my place to be supportive. It's the other guy. I don't want to get involved and then find out it's not mine. So it was this big dilemma that essentially went on for, for nine months. And part of this book was was creating a palatable vehicle for sharing what I learned. Mm. Because I don't think I'm in a position to write a medical book, but I am in a position to tell a funny story, being a stand-up comedian, including what I discovered and is hopefully a platform and a launching point for people to go out and learn more. And if one piece of information in the book makes you go, oh, I didn't know that, I guarantee there's hundreds more pieces of information that you can go and explore. Yeah, absolutely. And you do get that sense in the book that it's new information, hmm. that, that you were worried about finding correct information as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Something that stood out to me while reading the book was that you had little memory of school sex ed classes. So you just said it wasn't there in the curriculum, but maybe it was. And do you remember how old you were if there was any discussion at school? And in the book, it says the word vagina sticks out in your memory and that's about <laughs> it. Well, that, <laughs> that, that's more for comedy purposes. I think the part in the book was all I remember was vagina, 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 vagina. So that's real. that was really just to get a punchline out. But 
I think what I actually remember was the Life Ed van and the giraffe. Mm-hmm. And so I think the prime time for sex ed is perhaps when you know people become more so- uh, sexually active. For me, it was around 18 when I left school. Mm. Would have been a good time to learn more than just wear a condom. Um, really understanding everything I think was quite important. So I, I think more than the general advice as a teenager of wear a condom, other than that, I, I wasn't told why. I wasn't told failure rates of condoms. I didn't know that. I didn't know that um, it's quite common for people to open the packet with their teeth and puncture the condom. That's not a, not a, a that rare a mistake. Uh, the wrong size of condom. It's always jokes about it, like, mm-hmm. oh, I'll get the extra, extra large. It's a very uh, immature way of, you know, dealing with quite an important topic or too small because then that can, you know, that can puncture or rip or break. Throughout my dating time, um, who would talk about the Implanon and IUD, I wouldn't know the limitations of them. Mm. And I wouldn't understand that sort of stuff. Even the pill. You or know. what questions to ask. Or what questions to ask mm. or, or, or even the pill. You know, it, 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 it can be in the book, the conversation that the main character Ben has and uh, uh, it's, he's really a, 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 a vessel for, for who, <laughs> for me and what I experience. But the conversation of should we get a condom, I'm on the pill, end of conversation. If a, if a woman says, I'm on the pill, don't worry about it. You, you, you say, believe that. You believe that and mm. you don't worry about it. Mm. And you don't say. It, there are so many variables that can affect the uh, efficacy of the, the pill. And I didn't know that until I went through this experience. Mm. And part of the novel is just getting those ideas out there for discussion. And young women might get get some information and take mm. on board some information and think they know a lot. Mm. Uh, but it's really everyone's responsibility to be asking those questions. Well, totally. And, and I think... Uh, since doing this, uh, telling this story on stage and, and the book, men of all ages have, sa- have said, oh, I didn't, I didn't know that. And, or, or have been in situations where if a woman says she's, you know, she's, she's pregnant, they could have got pregnant, um, not understanding uh, why that happened or how that could have happened and saying, well, it can't be me because I wore a condom. It still can be you. Mm. And that's very important to know that you are still responsi- responsible for understanding every possibility. Not just, I did my job of protection. I wore a condom. I have no other part in this. Well, did you, you know, did, did you use the condom the whole time? Uh, did the condom break? Uh, did you ejaculate in the condom? Did you take it off and ejaculate, ejaculate somewhere else? There are more questions to be had. So I think it's very important for people to know that these safe sex practices aren't infallible and you uh, have a responsibility to understand why and how.
Mm, absolutely. Getting back to the idea of introducing it at school, you know, the idea mm. that you talk about sex what, when people are leading up to being sexually active, mm. we would sort of argue that you can't really talk about being sexually active if you don't know names of body parts. Right. And you can't learn about body parts if you've never understood how the sperm and egg join. And, mm. you know, those things go together sure. and they lead on from each other. And they actually can start from quite a young age, mm. from foundation all the way through mm. uh, primary school. And young boys especially in primary school ask us questions about why they would need to know about periods mm. it doesn't happen on their bodies so what would you say to them oh i have so much to say to those <laughs> young boys it's it's very important because if you are participating in sexual activity of of any kind you are dancing around the potential of creating a child and you're dancing around the potential of spreading sexually transmitted diseases so so it's not like well i've never been in that situation why even bother it's like saying well i've never had a car crash so why get insurance why bother i've never had a crash we'll get it ready in the event of mm. um ben the main character in the book mentions that he was just happy to be having sex <laughs> Does that mean that sexual health conversations go out the window or, as you said, you, do you rely on the information provided by uh, the woman if it's a female sexual partner? Yeah, I think the character there is making an immature joke, but it does speak to an attitude of sex as a recreation. And uh, so that, you know, that... Attitude of sex as recreation means you are you may feel less committed to the person or less responsible for the person. Uh, the almost the agreement is like, hey, this is just a bit of fun. So therefore, after this, I'm no longer responsible for our, you know, for any repercussions, whether they're physical or emotional. Which, as I've matured, I've found to be not the best policy i think you are responsible emotionally for the other person uh if you're participating in even recreational sex i think there is an, a, a a level of of responsibility that that can be overlooked uh our generation is i think slowly realizing oh free love doesn't mean free of responsibility so I think the character saying I was just happy to be involved was really going, well, this is recreational. I have no other involvement other than that. And that's a lesson he learns later that, well, you still have uh, everyone you sleep with, you still have some connection to in a way at least for a period of time. Um, we know from research and delivering classes and talking to young people and adults that dads often struggle talking about sex and sexuality at home. And this seemed to be the case in the book. Um, <laughs> what do you think prevents dads in particular from being able to talk about this sort of stuff? Yeah, so in the book, I think it's the Jurassic Park uh, scene. His dad watches Jurassic Park with him and while they're watching dinosaurs, they're 
mum and my sisters went out for the night and dad and I watched Jurassic Park and then he told me about the birds and the bees while we're watching <laughs> dinosaurs chase people. I it, thought in Jurassic Park that's not how the That's actually not how it works. Work. No, it's not. It's <laughs> something to do with a, a, a mosquito in amber, which is uh, not quite the same. But I think in the book I'm trying to capture this idea of his father being kind of the older generation of man which won't sit down over a coffee and have a conversation that that is culturally female a lot of the time of hey we need to talk let's go have a coffee let's go have a tea let's sit down and look at each other and converse where of that generation certainly of my dad's generation and for me growing up serious conversations happened when we're not looking at each other when we're fishing we're both looking away you know out into the distance or we're driving so we'll be driving and we're not actually you know because it can be quite confronting for for men and i think it's a practice thing if you're not practiced at uh, an intimate conversation um, then that can you know make it one difficult in the first place to have that conversation and two to have it effectively um Another thing that stood out to me was the lack of options for asking medical advice. Mm. So the character in the book, Ben, reached out to an old school friend who'd become a GP. Mm -hmm. And also the main female character wasn't really able to disclose details about her sexual history right away, even to her doctor, uh, because of those issues of maybe shame around multiple sexual partners uh, or questions about paternity. So what stops people being able to find out sexual health information? Yeah, so I think... People generally have a habit of Googling things. And as our protagonist in the book, I was going to say hero, but <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite a fantasy novel. Um, as our protagonist finds out, it is really a mess of information online. A lot of forums, a lot of people with mixed advice. Not a lot of specific um, information to your specific circumstance, which is particularly important because medical um, issues, medical events like like this have so many factors involved. The pregnancy dating in my case was so confusing and the ultimate answer was we don't have the enough information of the situation because I, because it was a, you know, a casual relationship I didn't feel like I could ask her, hey, what was your actual last, you know, um, menstrual, uh, uh, yeah, when, when did your cycle start? Um, did you take the pill? Like, uh, I'm not going to cross-examine <laughs> this person. I'm not in a, you know, intimate relationship with. I can't ask a lot of those things. The other guy and I uh, were only five days apart. And what we were finding is a lot of the information that I was collecting from the medical experts and, 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 and such were, it's too close to call, get a paternity test. And, and that was fair enough. But uh, getting information about the situation was what I wanted. And I think I was just sort of hitting a brick wall with 
medical professionals because they're like, just go to a doctor when the time is right. I'm like, yes, but I want to know now <laughs> and I want to know everything. And I almost became obsessive sort of OCD. I would think of something like, but what if I masturbated that day and there was still sperm in my urethra and then that sperm was washed through by pre-cum. Maybe that's how I got her pregnant. Is that possible? What are the odds of that? And a doctor will say, it's possible. A lot of medical professionals would say, yes, it's possible. And that was a real problem, right? Because I wasn't getting odds from them. I wanted odds. I wanted, what is the statistical probability of me being the father if this happened? And they would say, well, I can't tell you that. I'm not going to give you a percentage. I don't know if they do bookmaking in medical school. No, they don't. They don't. Exactly. <laughs> what, what can I bet on? To answer the question, I went through more information than perhaps I needed. Um, so it was easy enough to speak to a doctor, um, but the recommendation I got wasn't enough for me <laughs> in a state of panic. It was, no, 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 I need to go into medical journals, meta-analyses on ultrasound, uh, error margins on dating pregnancies, that sort of stuff. So that sort of stuff was... Um, a deep dive into the information that I did because I wanted to know, am I going to be a dad? Should I change my career? Or uh, is it not me and should I continue doing what I was doing? So, Yeah. So you're yeah. describing a, a really big emotional journey yes. through finding that information and really starting from a, a baseline of zero, actually. Yeah, I don't know. Really. Yeah. Yeah. A, a baseline of, you know, if you... If you wear a condom, you're fine. Yeah. If you don't, you know, as long as she's on the pill, you're fine. And and those two statements aren't true. Mm. And so so going deeper into that was very important. So between the jokes and the information about the journey of the pregnancy, it is a really emotional journey. How would you describe that in a nutshell from the sexual experience through to the paternity results? You don't have to reveal the results of the paternity on this on this podcast. Well, I want people to buy the yeah. book. So that <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm happy to say what really happened. It is different in the book. It does play out differently in the book. So that's fine. For me, the, the initial emotion of it was I was actually really happy to, to, to be told I was going to be a dad. At first, I was like, what are we going to do? What should we do? But then when she communicated like, no, I'm keeping it. I'm like, all right, okay, it's happening. And I cried and I'm not sure if I say this in the book, but this is how I felt in real life. I felt like the trees had a green I'd never seen before. I just felt so happy, the idea of being a dad. And then, you know, so more ultrasounds were done and some confusion came out. And then I was told, okay, you may not be a dad. And then that was really difficult. And then it got, you know, quite, quite messy because the other potential father wanted nothing to do with it. Couldn't be him. He wore a condom, not interested. So she became emotionally dependent on, on me because she, also she wasn't telling her family. She was quite embarrassed about that. She was quite embarrassed to tell a doctor there were two potential fathers. So I became, I started to become the, the, uh, the placeholder for a father. And, and that wore on me emotionally. And so we got to a point where I had to say, I, I can't 
pretend to be the father in this situation until I know. So I, I basically had to say, all right, I, let, I, I can't continue this, you know, uh, interaction relationship until I know if I'm the father or not. I did a lot of this research um, and I, I think I got down to like the odds of it being me quite low. I actually had a point like a, down to like seven decimal points or something. Like I I had done some quite obsessive stuff. <laughs> I'd created, you know, bell curves and error, anyway. It was, <laughs> you it, were graphing the whole I thing. I was graphing. Yeah. <laughs> so I had a, I was pretty sure based on the math that I wasn't the dad. Um, but on the day of the paternity test results, it emotionally felt like 50-50. It, it, I generally thought I could, you know, this could be it, I could be a dad. Um, because doctors were saying, you just don't know until you get the paternity test. And I'm saying, yeah, but look at this. I looked at the <laughs> error margins and the meta-analysis and this, and she ovulated on this day. And, the, and they're like, yes, but you got second-hand information. Emotionally, you're the only supportive potential father here so perhaps some of that information has you know been sweetened to make mm. <laughs> to to make it potentially be you you know it is an emotional thing so all the things you think are facts are also colored by emotion and desire and wants and 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 then uh, I went to my parents house and I you know was waiting for the email I got the email I sat down at the table with them and uh and i got the results that i wasn't the father and i cried for about an hour <laughs> and my mum and dad just sort of comforted me and hugged me um because i had felt like i'd lost a a an imagined child an imagined life and i don't know the experience of when a woman has a miscarriage i don't know that experience I know my experience of, I imagined holding a child, imagined raising a child. I had names in my head. I had, you know, a future in my head. And it wasn't until that paternity result came in did I feel like I'd lost that imagined future. People ask me, how did you, how did you feel afterward relieved? And I'm like, not really. I felt quite sad. I felt lost. And it's also the end yeah. of the, or a change in the relationship with the mother as mm, well. Mm. Mm, because I no longer really have a place in her life and it's unfair mm. to pursue a place in her life. We certainly went our separate ways. I don't know if the other guy stepped up. It's none of my business. It basically stopped being my business at the end of that. It's really not my place to get involved in that because ultimately what happened from a practical point of view is someone that I slept with once is pregnant to someone else. That's essentially the story mm. Just <laughs> but in the middle you had that uh, in the middle you mm. had this confusion mm. and so um that yeah that was quite tough and i'm you know because i i did want to be the father and that loss was quite the whole experience was quite traumatic it was it's me it's not me it's me it's not me for nine months i'm still dealing with the you know um mental and emotional fallout from that even years on i still see a therapist about it i've had to go on antidepressants i've had to um you know have 
cathartic experiences uh, in in writing, uh, in in talking to to people close to me about it to process it and deal with it, um, because it did it did feel like a, a like a quite a major loss. Mm. Mm. Um, You've mentioned a few things, but what did you find out about sex, sexual health and relationships that you wished you knew before this? Yeah, I wish I knew um, the importance of understanding contraception and that even if you've seen someone for a while and you trust that they're taking the pill or on the IUD or the uh, implant on that sort of thing. Um, there are things that can that beyond their control, within the control, that can affect the effectiveness of that. So even if you trust them, perhaps they don't know that alcohol can affect it, or they don't know that if they miss a day, that can affect it. So I wish I knew the emotional repercussions of a pregnancy. I guess. Some people think, well, if I have a pregnancy with, with, that I don't, you know, want with a, you know, if a woman gets pregnant um, because of me and I don't want it, well, it's, I can just be absolved from it if I decide, you know, if, if there's no abortion um, or even if you get an abortion, like the, you, can't, you don't come out clean. You don't come out like, well, I have no emotional attachment. You're still going to have these thoughts, imaginations, you're going to have a connection to that event. I really wish I knew how deeply it would impact me just to have the imagination of having and raising a child. Hmm. It's really lovely to hear you talk about it because we do so often hear about this story from the woman's perspective. Mm. Uh, so it's it's nice to hear you talk about that emotional journey and that responsibility you felt as well. Mm. Yeah, thank you. Um, you dedicated your book to your younger self and gave the advice: uh, don't do it. Mm. Don't do what? I th- it was really referring to the condom. <laughs> forget a condom. Don't forget a condom, or at least don't you know? Don't be reckless with contraception. That's really what it was because. I, I think my situation is different to the character in the book. And the character in the book, he has a one-night stand. He meets her that night and has a one-night stand. I wanted to raise the sort of stakes. Mm-hmm. For me, it was someone I'd been seeing for a while and I'd, I'd built up that trust with her and her being on the pill was something I, you know, I trusted out of knowing her for a while, seeing her for a while. But I think even in that situation, knowing a little more about contraception and uh the effectiveness of condoms uh uh when done correctly would have really helped me out so don't be reckless is really (laughs) the uh the answer there great Mm. simon thank you so much for talking through all that it's a lovely story it's so interesting and funny as well funny to read (laughs) i know it's been quite emotional it is it does drum up a lot in me because it was really really tough and uh I, I'm glad I can express it, and I hope the uh, look the the book is lighthearted for the bulk of it, but it does contain the reality of of the emotional uh, journey. So, yeah, thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks so much to Simon for talking through his uh, real life experiences that the book was based on.
There's a few key things which really stood out in this discussion for me. Simon didn't know much about contraception or sexual health until he found himself in this complicated real-life experience of unplanned pregnancy. It's a reminder to talk to young people about relationships and how bodies work before they're sexually active. What really stood out in this interview was was Simon's emotional connection to this pregnancy. When we talk about pregnancy, I think we often forget the investment of potential dads. Simon mentioned the hope for the next generation of dads being able to talk about sex and relationships with their children. Couldn't agree more. You can find out more about Simon Taylor online at simontaylorfunnyboy.com. This includes information on upcoming shows, social media and book sales and contact details. For more information about Family Planning Victoria, including contraception options and judgment-free sexual health information, go to fpv.org.au. You can follow FPV on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. Contact us directly at doingit at fpv.org.au. Subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out. Thanks so much for listening.